person around you that you maybe haven't met before, just say hello because we are glad to have you here. Welcome today.
here today because we do want to give our praise to you, Lord God. You are the one true God that loves us, that died on the cross for us, that rose from the dead and are preparing a place in heaven. Even now as we sing and worship this morning, Lord, you are here. And we ask, Lord, that as we continue praising your name and singing, that you will be honored and adored and worshiped. We love you.
Welcome to Crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? We're thrilled that you're here. Would you uh, please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle at this time? This will help us to better minister to you and your family. Uh, just a few announcements we have today. Um, on Wednesday evenings, our Wednesday nights have started up, and uh, they're off to a great start. We have our Canopy Kids, which meets downstairs. That's our, our Canopy Kids on Wednesday night. They call it the Clubhouse. And that is uh, from cradle up through fifth grade. And uh, they have a fantastic time with the kids down there. I see families bringing carloads of kids. I saw one lady, she had her car just filled with kids. And she said, if, I, if the word gets out anymore, I'm going to need a bus. And I said, well, we can arrange that, okay? But uh, I'm just so excited about what God is doing downstairs with that clubhouse kids. Our kids are going home. They're, they're being transformed by God. And then uh, our middle school and high school meets over at the, uh, at the uh, youth location over there at Straight Street. And uh, we have a fantastic time over there. Grades 6 through 12, God is moving. And I want to encourage you, uh, send your teenager out there, bring your children up here. And then our adult groups are meeting here on Wednesday evening. So I'd like to encourage you to, uh, to bring, your, bring yourself out to be here on Wednesday evening. We have a, a lot of things that are happening. There's a men's group that meets uh, led by Chuck Green. Uh, fantastic Bible teacher. Men, you will enjoy that. It's a, a, a teaching and discussion time. Uh, the women's group is led by Kelly Corey. She's a fantastic Bible teacher. I was just talking to one of our ladies this morning in the hallway, and they said, hey, you've got to come and uh, you've got to tell more ladies to come to that Bible study. I'm growing in there. So I want to encourage you women to be in that. There's also Starting Point. Starting Point is, uh, is just that. It's a group. If you've never been in a group, um, you want to be together, husband and wife, it's a starting point, and it's uh, kind of a, just a, a great place to start. And then there is Financial Peace University. Um, Audie Eddie was here first service, and he was sharing what uh, God is doing over there. It's a fantastic class to help you get a handle on your finances with God's perspective, biblical verses, biblical way to handle your finances. So if, uh, if, if that's you, and uh, you could take, uh, take use of that course, that meets on Wednesday evening upstairs at the gym. And then, uh, and then we have uh, also uh, a nursing home ministry that is not on Wednesday, but if you'll grab mic number three there and come on over here, Laura Rensel is going to share with us. Uh, you know, God is doing great things in our church. People are getting connected to God, and as they get connected to God, God's doing something in their life. And so God's uh, done something in her life, given her a passion for nursing homes. And so tell us what you're doing and how we can help. Um, we are coming together um, with the Retirement Outreach Program with the church, uh, myself and Emily Eichler. We are creating baskets um, that we are filling with things that the people in the nursing homes need, but they are not given from the nursing home. It's items that uh, family members have to provide. Um, it's very simple things that they are asking for, um, hand lotion and lip balm and the little packs of Kleenex. Um, they just go, they go crazy for it. That's what they need, they want, and they are not provided. Um, a lot of these people don't get visitors. Um, it's kind of sad to say they're just kind of put there and left. Um, so we go up, we visit with them, um, and this we are going to fill the baskets with um, encouraging notes and the products that they need and tracks and saying, hey, we love you, a little bit of information about the church, um, saying we love you, God loves you, and there's someone here if you need something. Um, the baskets are $15.00. Um, we are shooting for 125 that would give us uh, two access to two nursing homes. Currently, we have 45. So, um, again, they're $15. If you need some information, um, I'll be out at the Welcome Center after the service. All right. So, thank you. Let's give her a hand. We appreciate your ministry there, what God's doing. 
And so if you can help with that, please see Laura after after the services. We're making an impact into our community. Uh, on This week on Thursday, our young adult group, 724, uh, they will not meet regularly over there. They're going to go down Pittsburgh and feed homeless people. So if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, please see Julie Hayden. Julie's down front here, Julie or Dan, and uh, they'll give you more information. I think one night this week they're going to get together and pull, pull the supplies together, and then Thursday they're going to go out and meet people. Amber Liotis, is our, who, who's uh, been part of our church but lives down in the city now, uh, she goes on a regular basis, and she's asked us, hey, would you like to go? So several of our group will be going. That will be this Thursday night. Uh, so God is doing many great things. And, and then one, one, uh, one other great thing I just want to continue to celebrate is our birthday gift to Jesus offering. We set the goal at 75000 and today we have $77,668 that has come in. Let's give our God a hand. Amen? What an exciting thing. What an exciting thing. And uh, mi- missionaries all around the world, their, their lives are being touched by your generosity. And we're so thankful for how that you have stepped up to the plate as God has provided for you. Jehovah Jireh, our Lord provides. So um, at this time, we'd like to just stand and receive the, the morning offering. Uh, if you'd like to continue to give to the birthday gift to Jesus fund, we encourage you to do so because uh, we, we, we get calls from missionaries from time to time. Somebody will call us and say, hey, um, how, you know, we, we have a medical issue. We, we had a car breakdown. And so we try to help our missionaries in that way. And so uh, that fund, will, there'll be money over and above the goal goes towards things like that. And also to help support our missionaries that we support on an ongoing basis. So let's bow in prayer today. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we just thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for the way you've moved in our life. Thank you for the way you're moving in our church. God, you're doing great and mighty things. And, uh, and we just stand in awe of who you are. We stand in awe of your greatness. Lord, we thank you this morning that you've allowed us to go over the birthday gift to Jesus offering. And we just ask that you'll continue, Lord, to continue to bless, that we may bless others around the world, that people's lives will be transformed by your power and by your greatness. And God, I just ask now that uh, as we give unto you, Lord, we're, we're so thankful that you've given us 100% of what we have. And now, Lord, uh, we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. Uh, you've allowed us to keep the rest, and that, we're so thankful for that. So, Lord, we, we now give to you uh, in faith, believing that you are God. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. I'm coming back 
great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of man in a servant. The universe. 
universe is great in the small. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth, just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? May we all come to see the great in the small. Small things, big difference. That's what we've been talking about as we've started off the, uh, off the series here in January. A lot of times people want to make a, a, a new change in their life and they, they just go guns a-blazing. Have you ever noticed that? You, you, you want something new to happen and, uh, and really when we go guns a-blazing, sometimes that isn't the best approach. Sometimes it's the small things that will reap a big difference in our life. And that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at just a few small things that will make a big difference. We said that you are who you are as a result of the commitments that you make and the habits that you've developed. And, uh, and that's, that's how we shape our life, by, by, the habits that we, by, by the habits that we develop. This morning, I'd like for you to look at this picture. It's, uh, this is a picture of Spindletop. This was in, uh, in Texas, all right? This was 1901 in Texas, and, uh, and what it was was an oil well that produced 100,000 barrels of oil a day for three years. And what's interesting about this was that, that the land that it was on, I think the next picture just goes a little bit closer in there, uh, the, the land that it was on was, a, um, was an old farmer. And the old farmer just had this land, and he was, he was happy to be farming, and, and he did his work every day and day and out, and, uh, and he didn't make a whole lot of money. He was just happy to survive, ends barely met. He wasn't even the best of a farmer. And so as he started this thing, uh, started farming, and he's growing, and he's just try, trying to develop his life, one day an oil man comes onto the land and says, hey, I think there's oil here, and I think I can make you rich. I think I can drill here, and, and I'll do all the drilling. It won't cost you a penny, and if we find oil, we'll give you the royalties. You'll, you'll be a rich man. And so needless to say, the farmer said, come on in. And so the farmer, farmer opened up his land, and, and, and they came in, and they drilled. And in, on January 10th, 1901, a well at Spindletop struck oil, and it, a gusher blew for nine days at a rate of an estimated 100,000 barrels a day. So this gusher of oil just exploding everywhere. And what happened to the farmer? The farmer became an instant multi-millionaire overnight. He went from being the guy who could barely make ends meet to being the multi-millionaire. And so what a great story that is. But I was thinking about this. He was actually a millionaire before he ever knew it. He had the resources. The resources were all under the ground. He was, he was trying to make ends meet. He was just farming. And he, had, he, owned, he owned that oil. He just didn't know it. He had the resources on his land to be successful in life. And one day somebody comes up and says, hey, you have the resources. Let me make you rich. Let me help you use that. And I want you to think about your spiritual life this morning. That is really what has happened in our spiritual life. You have this great resource in Christ. I'm not talking about money. Uh, that, you know, that'd be, that'd be fun to, to head, a, head a boatload of money like that. 
But there's something more important than money. This is your life. Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, have a complete life. And so a lot of us, we, we look at our life and say, I'm not experiencing that. I'm not having that complete life. I don't have that, that fullness of life. And really what happens is a lot of times we have the resources in Christ, but we're not drilling down for it. We're not going down to catch it. And you are a millionaire. You are a spiritual millionaire. And in, in Christ, you, you have all the riches of Christ. But yet we go out and we live our life seemingly without him we live our life just doing our own thing trying to make our own way and so i want to encourage you as we take this series of small things big difference the the next picture up here shows you the the of what happened on the land it got developed and they started drilling all these oil and and all this this guy it was the beginning of the boom the oil boom and actually you know the oil boom was actually up and tied around titusville here at one point and then it moved down to Houston. This was the beginning of the oil boom down in Houston. And, uh, and, and look, look what happened there. But look what can happen in your life. Uh, you have the riches of Christ. It's like, it's like it's under your land. And all you have to do is drill for it. All you have to do is go down deep and see what God is going to do. And as you get into the things of God, as you get in touch with God, He begins to change your life. He begins to develop in your life. So this morning, I'm going to recap the, the, the few small things that we said. I said I'd give you an acrostic, habits, H-A-B-I-T-S. The first one, H, was to have time in Christ's presence. And, uh, and I hope that many of you have taken us up on that. Uh, we'll put that up on the screen. H is to have time in Christ's presence. Uh, so as you're thinking about this, when you have time in Christ's presence, that means it could be five minutes a day. We said that there's no rules to this. This isn't like some ritual. It is actually coming in and meeting with God. Maybe you started a Bible reading plan where you said, I'm going to let God talk to me. Uh, if you haven't, the, there's Bible reading plans in the foyer. We have them out there. We have from five minutes a day to the Bible in a year. Uh, we want to help you. It's, these are guides. They're not to make you guilty. They're to help you. They're, they're just to help you along the way. So take that. Uh, maybe you start on a Bible reading plan three weeks ago, and you say, well, I'm off by a week already. It's okay. Just keep going. Remember, that's a guide. That's just something to help you along. So have time in His presence. Uh, maybe you're not even reading. You're just talking to Him. You're praying. You're spending time in His presence. Five minutes a day. Maybe you're doing it a few times a day. And then there was accountability. Last week we talked about accountability. We said that, uh, that, that, you're to, that we need to be accountable uh, by being here in church. When we're here, there's a, a level of accountability all the way down to a personal friend who encourages you, somebody to come alongside of you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. That's the same ministry that the Holy Spirit has on us. He comes alongside of us and encourages us. And then this morning, we're going to look at this. And this is the Bible in my heart. That's the B in habits. Bible in my heart. If you're taking notes on the back, that's the first fill in the blank. The Bible in my heart. And so I'd like to just encourage you to turn over to Joshua chapter 1 this morning. Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read several verses beginning in verse 2. But Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. And what happened was Moses, remember in the, uh, in, in the Bible here, Moses was uh, the guy that led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They were, the nation was slaves to, to the Egyptians, and God used Moses, nothing less than the greatest leader of all times. And Moses comes out, and he takes the children of Israel out, and they are, they're, 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 they're led out in the wilderness, 
Uh, they go through the Red Sea. The Red Sea's been parted. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they come to the end of Moses' life. And we see, the, we see Joshua pick up. Joshua is the next leader. And look what God says to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, uh, you, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Um, so what is happening here, God was with Moses. The people had all the stories. They knew everything about what Moses did. They, they revered Moses. And, and, and God's saying to Joshua, just like I was with Moses, Joshua, my promise is to be with you. I am going to continue my work. Those promises that I made to Moses, I'm continuing them with you. Verse 5, jump down to verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What a powerful promise. He says, I'm with you. I'm not going to abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the laws which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from, from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. He says, listen, I am with you, and I want you to remember my word. Don't depart from the things that I've given you. And then he says in verse 8, uh, this book of the law, and we have this on the screen, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so this morning, as we're thinking about this thought of Bible in my heart, memorizing God's Word, committing it to memory, look what he says here. This, he's, he gives us an, a very important thing here. Uh, he gives the, the promise of prosperity right here. He gives the promise of success and the promise of prosperity. And look at it. It says, the book of, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Uh, remember, they, they didn't have a Bible that they were carrying under their arms. They were to talk about it. Uh, they, they, they had the scrolls, and, and a, lot of, a lot of it was committed to memory. So he says, Don't let this depart from your mouth. And then he goes on, he says, But you shall meditate on it day and night. Uh, meditate on God's Word. When we hear meditation, we get a little bit scared. Did you ever notice that? You hear meditation. What comes to your mind? You think of uh, somebody that's uh, maybe m making a, a om, okay? And, and maybe they're sitting in a, in a certain position or whatever, and you, and you think of this om, okay? That's, that, that, that is not necessarily meditation. Meditation here, what the Bible's talking about, is the repetitive, okay? The, repeti the repeating the going over of a matter in your mind that is of chief concern. The repetitive, the going over of a, of a matter in your mind that is of chief concern. So he says, I want you to meditate on my word that is your chief concern and you think about it day and night. 
In other words, you're, you're repeating it. You're going over and over and over the Word of God. And then he says, he says, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Joseph's mission, uh, Joshua's mission was that of a military leader. Uh, he had to lead the nation of Israel into the, into the new, new era of, of history, into the new land. They were going into Canaan. And so as, as, as Joshua has to lead these people, he, the Lord comes to him and says, here's how to be successful. Let me tell you, success starts here. Meditate on my word. Do what it says. Then you'll be successful. And that's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Uh, the book of the law shall not depart from you. You shall meditate on it day and night. In the battle. Think about Joshua in a battle. When he's dealing in a battle and, and, and the, the battle's raging, the, the war is tough. Okay, I have, here's how I'd be successful. Uh, I could go out and I could have a military strategy, but I'm going to be successful by coming to God first. I'm going to think about his precepts. I'm going to think about his words. What does he say? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what they knew is the book of the law. So they came, and, and that's what he's dwelling on. And he tells them, do not forget this. Well, today, I want us to look at the structure of the verse here. The structure says that we're to meditate before we obey. And that's a pretty big, important thing. You may not be a, a, a military leader. You're not leading a nation. But you are fighting a spiritual warfare. Your life, every day that you live, every day that you go out, there's a spiritual warfare. When you go to work tomorrow, there's spiritual warfare. When you're dealing with your family, there's spiritual warfare. There are big decisions at stake every day of your life. And God says that you need the way that you're going to conquer, the way that you'll be successful in this battle. Here it is. Meditate on His Word day and night. Now, I have been, uh, I've been around church for a long time, and I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, you know what, it's all about obedience. You just have to obey. God said it, why don't you obey? And, and there's a really a missing link here. Uh, there's a little secret in the verse here. The secret is not just obey. The secret is to meditate on God's Word. And if we try to obey without meditating on His Word, without planting His Word in my life and in my heart, I, what I've done is I've made a bunch of lists and rules that I can't live up to. Instead, come and take God's Word and plant it in your heart. And then as you take God's Word into your heart, now you have the ability to succeed. Now you can conquer things in your life because you have taken God's Word and it's in your life, it's in your heart, it's in your head, and God uses that and gives you the strength whenever you need it. He gives you the, the ability to recall His Word whenever you need it. Uh, Proverbs 7, verse 2 and 3 say, say this, Obey me and live. Guard my words as your most precious possession. Write them down and also keep them in your heart. Um, very interesting here. Uh, and back, uh, you know, he, say, he says to keep this as your most precious possession. When I do a wedding, I always ask the couple, um, you know, what token do you give in acknowledgement of your vows today? And they always hand me a ring. And I hold that ring up and I say, well, this ring has a lot of value to it. And it's your most, you know, and so let your love be your most valued possession. Yeah, let your love be your most cherished possession. And the, 
the Proverbs here, he's telling us to let God's Word be your most cherished possession. Let His Word be like that, the, the most cherished thing in your life. Joshua, God told Joshua, he says, it's very interesting the structure of that verse. He says, don't let this book depart from your mouth. I want you to talk about it all the time. He says, meditate on it day and night. I want you to be thinking about it. And you can't meditate, it, meditate on something that you don't know. Okay? You have, to, you have to start getting into God's Word. And as you get into it, you take those verses and you plant them into your heart and into your head. And you start to think about them. And you, you ask God to bring them to your remembrance. And then you slowly start to memorize some things that are important that jump out at the, at, from the Scripture. And then, now the next part says that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. Okay? And then look at the next part. It says, for then you... Joshua, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. You see what God does? He takes his scripture in our mind, and as we take it in and we rehearse it, we're repeating it over and over. We are taking it in, and then what happens when we come out and we live? Our actions change by the word of God. So if we take God's word in, our actions change, and then you will live it out. You will live out the prosperous life. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. That, you know, don't, don't, don't equate prosperous with money. That doesn't mean that uh, somebody's going to drill on your land and you'll have, the, you'll have a spindle top on your land, right? No, it means that according to God's definition of success, according to his prosperity, what he wants us to have, God is your provider, and you will have the abundant life. See, there's a prosperous life. There's something more prosperous that comes from Christ than anything else. I, when, you, when you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's nothing, there's not a dollar sign I can put on that. I wish, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that, you know what, I have something that's more enjoyable to me than time with God. And I tell you what, there's nothing more enjoyable than time in the presence of an almighty God. You, can't, you cannot buy me anything that will replace that value that comes from Christ. And this is what God wants us to do. The more we meditate on Him, the more we develop that relationship. And the more that we develop that, and then we, are, we, are, we become prosperous, we have a full, abundant life in Christ. James 1.25 gives us a few habits to develop here. He says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom... And continues to do this, not forgetting that he has heard what he has heard by doing it, he will be blessed by what he does. And, and this verse is so, so cool because it says right here, uh, he who looks intently into the perfect law, that is somebody who reads. So he's saying, first, start by reading the Word. You know, we get, we get to read the Word of God. It's, it's so exciting that you have a, a Bible. You may have several of them. You have it on your phone. You have, you have all this at our disposal that we can use. Um, we get to read God's Word. He says, and then he continues to do this. In other words, he reviews God's Word. He keeps going over it. Not only do you read it, you come back again, you read it again, and you read it again, and you read it again. You continue. You review God's Word. And then he says, not forgetting what he has heard. Uh, there's the remembering. There's the memory. I put it into my memory. And then he says to do it. Then I respond to God's word. So he says, that is the one who is blessed. If you want to have a blessed life, there it is. Dwell on God's word. 
read it, read it over, memorize it, put it in your heart, and then live it out. Um, when we do this, you will always have God with you. You will always have God's Word with you. When you study His Bible, when you take His verses and you plant them deep within your heart, God's Word will be with you all the time. You won't have to be thumbing through and trying to find something. His Word will speak to you. Now, I will be honest. I haven't memorized the whole Bible, folks. And I don't expect you to either. But key verses. Take a verse and plant them into your heart, plant them into your soul. But I do want to challenge you this. I've heard so many people tell me, when they, when they think about this, they say, well, that's too hard. I just can't do that. I just can't memorize. And uh, let me ask you this. What have you committed to your memory? What is in your memory already? For example, some of you could tell me some songs from the 80s, 70s, 60s. We'll stop there, right? Some of you could recite to me the, the, the songs, okay? Uh, some of you can tell me the words to every, every word in a movie, okay? You, you can, you, uh, you, you, your favorite movie, you could just tell me line by line every movie, every word in that movie. Uh, some of you, some of you, if I just said this this morning, if I say this, this phrase here, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. If I just said, hello, can you hear me? Okay, I think everybody would know. And, and that's a fairly new song. Everybody knows the rest of that song. Why? Because we do allow things to come into our memory. We, we commit things to our memory. Uh, last Saturday night, there was, a, there was a football game. I left the Saturday night service. I had to end on time that night, all right? I had to leave, and I went home, and I watched the football game. And guess what? There were things that I had never seen before, but I've remembered all week long. Imagine that. I remember the perfect ending to a game, you know? All right, so, so you remember those things. Why? Because it's important to us. It stands out. It goes into our mind. And we say we remember it. So when it comes to the things of God, we have to make it a priority. And we say, yes, I can. And I will give this opportunity to enter into my mind, to enter into my heart. Because as I do that, God changes me. And he makes a big change. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Uh, you know, if you, uh, if you go out of here and you just start memorizing one verse a week, I, I'm not talking chapters. I'm not talking books. I'm saying one verse. And if you start with one verse this week and you go to another verse next week, we come back next January, you'll have 50 verses memorized. Be, it'll be exciting. You do that for two years, you'll have 100 verses memorized. You do that for three years, you'll be unstoppable. And it'll be just part of your life. And you'll say, okay, this is what I'm doing. And it's not like, okay, it's not like, okay, I have memorized so much. Remember, the goal is not about how many, but how close. It's not about how many verses you memorize, but how close that you become to God. That's what the Scriptures do. The Scriptures draw us unto Himself. So as I plant them in my heart, as I remember His Word, it changes me. It transforms my life. Now, when you keep God's Word in your heart, when you hide God's Word in your heart, here's a few thoughts, and they're in your notes there. Uh, when you keep God's Word deep within your heart, He will give you wisdom. Colossians 3.16 Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. 
Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. He says, let it live in your hearts and make you wise. You need help with life. Listen, if you go to the wrong source, you'll get the wrong advice. Come to God. Let God change your life. Things happen in our life. We set our course, and I say this very clearly from, from my own life. We set our course, and it doesn't go the way we desired it. We have failures. We have hurts. We have all kind of things that happen. And what I have to do is when I come in, so I set my life out this way, and I come to a roadblock. When I come to that roadblock, what I have to do, I can go, I can, I can either look to God and get his advice, or I can look to somebody else that is not going to give me God's advice. I can look to wisdom of the world that will say, well, you deserve this, you deserve that. And you know what? Every time that I have applied the principle of God's wisdom in my life, it didn't make sense to anybody else around me. The world's, the world's wisdom said, hey, this doesn't make sense. You deserve this. Or you deserve, and it's always about what you deserve. You ever notice that when we have a problem? Well, you deserve. And guess what? I deserve to be separated from God forever. But Christ died on the cross for me. He came back to life for me. So therefore, I come back to him. And as I take his word and plant it in my mind, I implant it in my heart, what does God do? He transforms my life. He gives me wisdom. He will feed your soul. That's the next thing. He'll feed your soul. I love what, that, what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 16. He says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. He says here, I ate them. He does not physically ate them. They were like honey to me. I, I ate your words. They're sweet to my soul. He, he took them in um, because... They were my joy. They're my heart's delight. And you see, this, is, this involves relationship. And the more that I take God's word into my heart, the more I develop it. The more I develop that joy. Maybe on day one, it's not too joyful. God begins to develop joy. Do you ever get around somebody and you say, that person grew on me? Yeah? Yeah, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You know, the first time you meet them, you're like, ah, oh, they're kind of odd and this and that. And then, you know, six months later, you're like, they're my best friend. This guy that I thought was so different than me is now my best friend. That's what happens with a relationship with God. If you'll come and give him the time, come and hang in his presence, start to put his words in your heart, guess what he does? You think this was so far away and God brings you unto himself. Um, he'll feed your soul. Uh, learn to crave the teachings of God that they would feed your soul. He will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. Psalm 119.11 says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Think about this. Young, young people, you have your life ahead of you. You may be 15 in this auditorium. You may be 25. You have a long life ahead of you. How can you stay pure? Here it is. Obey God's word. How can a young person stay pure? Obey God's word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from you. And here he tells you how to obey it. It is not I have willpower. It is I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, the power is not my power. It's God's power. And so when I take his word and I plant it in my heart, God works. God uses it. 
Um, the, the last thing here is that Bible memory is the number one tool for resisting temptation. The number one tool for resisting temptation. Uh, can I just say this? When you're tempted, when you're tempted the most, you probably don't have your Bible with you. Okay? Uh, you probably don't have your Bible under your arm when you're having your biggest temptation. Your biggest temptations come whenever that Bible's at home. So God's Word has to be in us so that we can, that we can combat the enemy. In, in, um, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And I'm just going to read this to you. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You know what he was doing? He was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. He didn't have the scroll out there in the wilderness and say, hang on, Satan, wait a second. Hang on, it's over here somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, Satan. Here's why I can't do that. No, it was in his mind. It was in his heart. And he responds. He goes to the second temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the Son of God, jump off for the Scriptures say. He will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up on their hands so you, don't, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responds, the Scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. He was quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. And then Jesus comes again. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel, and worship, kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus tells him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. And so Jesus combated Satan with the memorized word. Now, I, I'll say this. Jesus had a little bit of an advantage, right? He wrote it. It's his words. But he modeled for us how we combat the enemy because the last verse there, verse 11, says after that, the devil went away. If you want the devil to go away, you want, you want to face trials, temptations, as you're facing these things, we combat it with Scripture. Combat it with Scripture. We are to have it in our heart and in our life. Uh, the, the last thing you notice is this, that God wants you to remember that He loves you. God wants you to remember that He loves you. Over in Numbers chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 37, God gave instructions to the children of Israel to make a garment that had tassels on it that would remind them, remind them of His love. Remind him of his word. Uh, Numbers 15, 37 through 41. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Through the throughout the generations to come, and you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. 
The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. I am the Lord your God. I called our missionaries up, the Bergs, missionaries to the Jewish community, and I said, do you have one of those? And, and it's a prayer shawl is what it is. And, and what, they, what, the, what they would do is they would take this and they would just wear it. And they would walk around. And you'll notice the fringes representing God's laws. You look over here, here's the tassels on, on the four corners. And there are five knots on this tassel here. Five knots over here on this tassel. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The law of God. And, and you know what? When we think of the law, we, we get this crazy thought. We think of law like, I am so good I can't make it. I'm such a failure. I can't do the law. And, and we get a negative connotation about the word law. But really, this, this concept here is Torah. And the Torah was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And as they thought about that, they didn't sit there and think about how bad they were. They thought about how much God loved them. That God would care enough about them to, to give them His Word. You see, our God is not distant from us. Our God is not away from us. Our God has communicated to us. He, eventually, Jesus comes to the earth, dies on the cross, comes back to life again for us. And so, in the Old Testament, He told His people, He said, now remember, they didn't have a printing press. There were no Bibles on their shelf at home. He told them, make your garments and put these on them. And so they would walk around. And as they would walk around, the whole concept was for them to remember. Remember how much God loved them. To remember that He cared enough about them to give them a guide. To give them the way to live. And that's what the word Torah really means. It, it, it's a guide. It's an arrow. It's, a, it's an arch retirement. It points to God. And, and it points to Christ is what the law did. And so he says, listen, take my words and do not forget them. Today, we don't have to wear one of these. That was for the culture of that day in the desert. He says, don't forget me. The principle is do not forget God. Do not forget how much he loves you. Do not forget that He's given you the way to live. And so if you will take and commit a few things to memory, leave this place today and begin to commit some key verses to memory. I, like we said already, if you'll start with 51 verse a week, you'll have 52 verses next year. Uh, downstairs in our children's ministry, in Canopy Kids, we give them a verse every week. I see it comes out on the email. There's, there's a verse that goes out every week. Every Wednesday, they're, they're talking about a Bible verse. It, it's not about how many. It's about how close we get to God. We're trying to give them one a week. It, you know, if we have a kid for six years downstairs, what foundation we can do? We give them hundreds of verses over the years because they can take one a week. And you know what? You can take one a week. And you can transform your life. So as you leave today, I, I've given you, there's, they're going to hand you a little yellow card and it has Joshua 1.8. And I'd like to encourage you, just begin to take that home and begin to, to read it. Maybe read it ten times today. Put it, on, put it by the mirror. Put it on your dresser. Put it somewhere where you can take it and you can, you can digest it and you can get it into your life. And next week, take a three-by-five card and take another verse and implant it into your heart. And, and, and just, keep, just keep reviewing them. And, and, and this isn't about how, my, how many it's about you getting close to God. 
So take it. And there's my challenge for today. Take and start with one verse. Joshua 1.8. Maybe you put it in your car. You put it on your mirror. Because you'll look there 20 times today, right? You put it on the mirror. Put it on the refrigerator. Uh, put it somewhere where you will sit and begin to memorize. Now, let me, let me share this with you. When, when I was younger, I went through some issues that, that I was really struggling with. Struggling with understanding my value. I didn't think I had much value to God or to anybody, honestly. I had a lot of things that happened in my life that kind of beat me up. I was tossed around. And then somebody encouraged me. They said, you know what? You need to take this verse. It was from Psalm 139. And it said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So I took that and I wrote that down on a 3 by 5 card. And I put it in my pocket. And I'll never forget because life really crumbled all around me. It was like I felt failure. And I pulled that out every time. They told me, every time you have that thought, pull out God's word and combat it. Begin to plant it into your heart so that you will conquer that, fa- that fear of failure, that you'll conquer that issue with Christ. And so you know what I did? I wrote it down and I pulled it out. For you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know what happens to this day? I meet situations all the time where the first thing that comes to my mind is that I can't do this, that I have no value. And you know what I do? I, pull, I don't have to pull the card out anymore. It comes out my mind. And God uses his word. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now I don't have to care what you think about me. You see? I'm not seeking your approval. But there was a time that I probably was. And you know what? God transformed my mind. And and through the power of his word, I understood that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, even if you don't like me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made if I have no money. I am fearfully and wonderfully made if if my world falls apart. I am the child of God, and I have this intrinsic value that comes from him. So I'm going to encourage you. We're going to put some things on our website in the days to come here. They're going to help you. We're going to give you some suggested verses. We're not just going to let this be something that we say, oh, that was a nice day, let's move on. I want to give you some tools that will really help you. The first tool is take one of these yellow cards and take the challenge and see if you can come back next week and memorize it. Now, we're not going to have a check-in. You don't have to say it at the door. But say it to your husband, say it to your wife. Do it together and watch what God will do. Because if you catch this, to meditate on his word, you know what God will do? He'll transform your life then you'll be obedient to his word. And then you will make your way successful because that's how God works. He starts from his word, comes out in your actions, and he blesses your life. Amen? Let's close in prayer, folks. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just want to encourage you to jump into God's word. Jump in, take it, and put it into your heart. Put the Bible in your heart memorize it. You don't have to do a chapter. Start with one verse a week. And if one verse a week is too much, start with one verse a a month. Just get God's Word into your heart. And then God will slowly take those things and He will transform your heart. And you'll be able to, to combat the enemy. When the enemy tells you you're no good, you'll be able to tell him, I don't care because I am good and God said that I am good. Whenever you're faced with temptation, you're faced to throw your life away on a foolish decision. 
face to throw your marriage away, face to, face to throw your family away on a, on, a, on a foolish decision, that scripture will come to you. How can a young man stay pure? How can I stay pure by obeying your word? God will bring those to your memory. We are all challenged out there. We need God's word in our heart. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person. Lord, may they take the, the step to, to accept the challenge, Lord, to put your word in our heart. God, as I meet people and they're excited about the things of God, and your word is what transforms us. It's your word. It's, it's the power that's within you that you place in us. So God, as we take our responsibility serious, you told Joshua his responsibility was to meditate. Meditate on you to repeat it over and over. God, I pray that you help us that we will memorize it. Meditate on it. Think about you day and night, Lord. Call to remembrance your word in our life as we need it, as we combat the enemy. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. Feel free to come and kneel and pray as we sing if you so desire.
Thank you for your great singing this morning. Would you turn to your neighbor as you leave today? Just say hello. We'll see you in the foyer and have a great week.